Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Good morning, welcome along to Friday's edition of the Football Social Daily on the back of another busy, busy night of European action. From the Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday to the Europa and Europa Conference League last night. Three wins from three from the Premier League sides in action as Manchester United, Arsenal and West Ham all got themselves some continental points on the board. United is where we kick ourselves off. The Red Devils did make hard work of it in Cyprus as they edged out Omonia Nicosia. Rashford to the rescue for Eric Ten Hag as United gear up to take on Everton this weekend. More straightforward for the Gunners, however, three goals and three points as a much-changed Arsenal side followed up that derby win with a stroll against Bodo Glimt. And then in part two, we move across to Belgium. West Ham's love affair with Europe continues as they bagged a win at Anderlecht. And then we're going to be touching back with United on the latest situation on Cristiano Ronaldo's future at Old Trafford. And the action doesn't stop there as we're going to be pitting our wits against the might of the Friday quiz. Yes, loads to come between now and the end of the show. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me on Friday duty, we have the quiz master general, Quizimodo to his friends and the knowledge maestro to his colleagues, Mr. Ian Brannan. How are you, Ian? Well, I'm I'm good after that build-up. I feel like I'm about to be entered into the uh, into the lion's den on on mastermind or something. But really, my victories have been uh, a mixture of fortune and luck. And uh, well, we'll see if that continues today. <laughs> but they're all easy if you know the answers, aren't they? That's the thing with these. And it went down to a tiebreaker last time. I shouted Arsenal and won. So uh, I don't want to sort of put too much gloss on it. Fortune favours the brave, Ian. Now Joel Tudor took last Friday off. Whether or not he was battering through Wikipedia, we don't know. That can't be confirmed. This could be David versus Goliath. It could be, more accurately, Joel versus Ian. Joel, are you feeling confident? Yes, and there's a reason for that. And that's because Niall isn't a quiz master. And you know what? I have some intelligence from the background, which is that Niall got a question wrong in terms of the answer, which completely changed the outcome of the quiz last week. Not going to say which one. People can listen for themselves, but it happened. If I say wow. any more, I'm in big trouble. Okay, okay. Uh, just, just the minor allegations of cheating in the sanctity of the Friday quiz. We will be conducting a football social daily inquiry into that, Joel, and we'll be getting back to you. Right, the quiz is uh, in part three, so we're going to be coming to that a bit later on. Uh, but there is some questions for you to answer before that, Joel. Questions on Manchester United. Omonia Nicosia 2, Manchester United 3. And United, they made unnecessarily difficult work out of this away in Cyprus last night. A second half Rashford rescue act uh, to get them through. Rashford coming off the bench to get two goals. Anthony Martial with one in between and an assist 
from Rashford. This was a Europa League team for Manchester United, just, you know, multiple Champions League winners with Casemiro and Ronaldo. But they're Europa League players these days and uh, United need Rashford to win it for them in Cyprus. Well, as always with the United side in the last year or two, they made it so hard for themselves straight away with uh, Nicosius taking the lead inside 30 minutes. And I think when that went in, I'm sure a lot of people were thinking there's going to be no reaction from that Derby Day defeat. It's going to be a long, hard struggle this game where it's just really uninspiring and there's just a lack of desire. And, you know, they're just the fundamentals that seem to go missing in these games. But... I thought that the first half was a real struggle. Second half, I mean, Ronaldo should have had about four or five goals. I'm surprised that he didn't manage to put it away. And what made me laugh the most was for Rashford's final goal, he had a shot and Rashford basically got on the end of his missed shot and he was so frustrated as if he just completely missed the whole goal despite Rashford scoring. And that kind of summed up his whole game, to be honest. But apart from that, I was impressed with, for example, Anthony Martial. Uh, you can tell just how much we've missed him since he's been out um, because if everyone saw his pre-season, he looked like he had another spring in his step, an extra yard of pace. And having that Achilles injury just before the season started was just so unfortunate because we really have been lacking a little bit of um, technical ability up front because we don't really have it apart from Anthony coming in. Anthony Martial, my God, there's so many Anthony's going on at this club at the moment. <laughs> Anthony Martial um, has a little bit more pace and a little bit more guile in his play. And I think we've missed that massively. And I've just got a good high hopes from if he, if he can stay fit. That's the big thing. If he can stay fit, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting to challenge for the France squad in this next month or so, because you can already see it in his play. He looks like a different player compared to last year. Um, so that was encouraging. And also a little bit discouraging was Jaden Sancho. I've just, I'm a little confused with him at the moment because I think everyone has that image of him in Dortmund of you know, having incredible stats and being one of the best young playmakers in Europe. And then at United, he's just not really come into the system and started as we thought he would be. And I think one of the reasons for it is just he's a combination player. He can't be someone who's isolated on the wing because he actually lacks a lot of pace. And when you're up against the Premier League fullback, for example, that shows massively and he can't go past defenders. So I think that's a massive puzzle that Ten Hag has to solve to try and get him into the game because his playmaking, his intelligence is second to none on the pitch. But apart from that, it was a... I mean, a good performance, hard work. They got into the game late on as well with a silly defensive display in the last 10 minutes. But yeah, we'll take the three points and hopefully wrap up this group as soon as possible. Ian, there was a couple of comedy misses, as Joel mentioned there, from Cristiano Ronaldo late on. Also, Anthony in the first half, one of the worst cutbacks you'll ever see for Bruno Fernandes, which should have been a goal for United. In terms of this weekend, United take on Everton on the back of getting slapped in the derby last weekend. There were changes for the Europa League, Ronaldo being the big one coming in, and we're going to touch on his future at United a little bit later on. But is this now the situation at United in the Premier League? Marcus Rashford leads the line. Anthony Martial, who Joel mentioned there, is banging form, probably starts over Jadon Sancho. And you've got Cristiano Ronaldo and all the baggage that comes with him on the bench. And Jadon Sancho, that huge fee, sat next to him. Seems to be the case, doesn't it? So certainly, so far from what we've seen, and you know, it just is this this fixture, Omania in Cyprus versus Manchester United, is in itself just an an illustration of the vast 
underachievement that Manchester United have had over the not just the last season but the seasons previous. You know, the, the, this sort of arrogance that every other supporter who, who who isn't a Manchester United fan is, is sort of seen from the outset from, you know, well, good bot five, six, seven years ago now, how things have drifted. You know, Manchester United used to be this feared power and they've lived on this arrogance of, well, we're Manchester United, so we're going to win, while other teams around them have invested serious cash. They've brought in top coaches. Man United have been messing about changing coaches, changing players, trying to buy this, you know, brand name talent. And it hasn't worked out for them one bit and a fixture like last night in the Europa League Omania you know they should not be playing teams like this for the amount of money that they've frankly not going to say spent but squandered over the years and and and, and as you mentioned there, Cristiano Ronaldo, Jadon Sancho, they've paid hundreds of millions of pounds combined for these players. And they're sat on the bench because when they play, they don't deliver. And the new manager there, Ten Hag, has, has seen through all the BS that is around some of these players. That You know, that you can't just put a player on the pitch based on their supposed reputation based on their past reputation based on their transfer fee which is exactly why Manchester United are where they are because they've gone out spent a load of money and thought well that must be great without having a look under the bonnet to see that actually in there is some kind of I don't know engine for a Fiat Panda rather than for the Porsche that you've bought you know and that's that's the, the tale of Manchester United and you know Rashford bailed him out last night didn't he because it could have been embarrassing it really could have been embarrassing. And thank goodness for Marcus Rashford saving Man United's blushes. As you say, there were comedic misses as well. Anthony had one, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, they've gone out of jail here. I think we can't paper over the cracks. This was not a convincing Manchester United thrashing of a, you know, a European lesser league opponent, you know, that, that, which they should have done. Um, they, 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 they got off with this one. I think I have to say and you know the, the defensive chaos I mean if they do that against Everton Everton are not exactly the hottest team in the Premier League but they'll have them yeah it does seem to be a little bit of a difficult spell for Manchester United as it stands after lights <clears throat> as it stands last night in Group E Real Sociedad top three games played nine points they look to be sailing through to the knockouts and United in second six points from three right Joel we're going to move across to Arsenal because this was very very routine for Mikel Arteta's side on the back of beating Tottenham at the weekend and staying top of the Premier League. A 3-0 win over Bodo Glimt, uh, who I have to say, before the game, all I remember about Bodo Glimt was Jose Mourinho having a row with their manager a couple of years ago. That was my main memory of them. But my main memory at full-time was uh, Arsenal doing a pretty solid job. And um, the most impressive thing for me as an Arsenal fan watching this is the amount of changes that were made and not a major drop-off in performance. Gabriel Martinelli, Granit Xhaka and Gabriel Magalash, the only players that started against Spurs and started last night. And all of the direct replacements had a big role to play. And Ketty got a goal, back-to-back Europa League goals. Kieran Tierney with an assist, he was in for Alexander Zinchenko. Rob Holden getting a goal, he was in for William Saliba. And then Fabio Vieira, who has looked good when he's played for Arsenal, in for Martin Odegaard and getting the third. This is how to do it in the Europa League. Rest your important players, keep your backup players motivated and still get a result. Yeah, well, you can see the kind of difference. So, for example, the United game 
uh, that was playing just a couple hours before, Ten Hag opted for going for probably his nearly fully strength side. And his reasons for it was to keep the match rhythm going and to actually get some games in the legs because in the space of a month, they've only played about three games together, obviously because of the international break and the postponed games. Whereas Arteta's basically trusting in the rest of his squad at the moment. I don't know if it's a direct response to the Liverpool game at the weekend, which is a massive one for them. I don't know if they have one eye on that, but... It is encouraging, like you're saying. I think one of the main reasons for it is when you've got momentum just throw, uh, flowing through the squad, every other player is going to rub off on that fast and they're all going to want to take part in the, the main squad and try and actually break into that team that's winning constantly at the moment. And you saw that as well, especially with you know Eddie Nketiah, who signed a new contract to Arsenal with the promise of getting more minutes. He will get more minutes in the Europa League, but I'm sure he'll want to be getting into the Premier League squad as soon as possible. And that's why you see better performances in these games, I think, because they can see opportunity and they want to take part in that Premier League run that's going on. But like you say, it was just a, I'd just say a professional performance, to be honest. I didn't expect any less. Um, maybe an Arsenal side of one or two years ago might have struggled in this kind of game, struggled to get up for it in terms of motivation. But I think when you have this feel-good factor going on around the Emirates or just around any club in general, it just seems to seamlessly go through everyone else. And you're seeing that right now. So it's going to be um, a routine group win, I think, this for Arsenal. But one I would definitely have been on the weekend, which could prove to be a pretty catalyst result I would think if they can win that I just want to ask Ian about Eddie Nketiah because the back end of last season he couldn't stop scoring five goals in seven games that convinced Mikel Arteta to give him the contract extension as Joel mentioned but he's not really featured regularly certainly in the Premier League this season he has scored in both of Arsenal's Europa League games the way he's managed to keep him motivated is actually quite impressive because he signs the new contract, he gets the number 14 shirt, he gets the backing from the club and the manager, and then they buy Gabriel Jesus. And he comes in, hits the ground running, super impressive, and he's the main man in the Premier League. But Eddie Nketiah is still playing, he's still performing, and this is arguably what Europa League, I wouldn't quite say Champions League managers because they're dealing with a better squad overall, but this is what Europa League managers want. Players that are maybe not playing regularly in the Premier League, but when they need them on a Thursday night to get the job done, they do. And that's a big, big pat on the back for Arteta. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Enketia is... He's an Arsenal man through and through. You know, he's an Arsenal fan. He, uh, his hero is is Ian Wright. He wants to be an Arsenal legend, and I think he's there, willing to to battle for his place. And I think you know, power to him because I think he will have had offers from elsewhere. I know he's had offers from elsewhere um, to go and play, even on loan, and those have been turned down both by himself and by Arsenal because they see him as being an important um, uh, an important player to have in their uh, in their toolbox, if you like. You know. Four occasions like that, so that you're not flogging uh, the, the main strikers, um, you know, to within an inch of their life, and and they they can focus on the Premier League while you've got effectively a, another team to put out for for the cup matches and and what have you, and 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 he's delivering, you know, he can score, and he seems to thrive in cup competitions, and when he was playing for Leeds, he always did better in the cup competitions than he did in the Premier League. So something about those cup nights, those cup occasions that uh, he, he he really thrives in, and yeah, he, he just I think he just loves Arsenal, and because of that, he's not like 
any other player that might have come in from from outsiders looking to further their career immediately he sees the long game and and he wants to to be part of Arsenal's um you know program as as, as it is and uh, and battle his way through and he will get his chances you know if you hang around long enough you know this uh, these 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 first choice strikers are going to suffer injuries from time to time and if he keeps himself fit he knows that he's going to get his opportunity eventually and he's happy to bide his time it seems and there's also the World Cup to factor in. Jesus will go away with Brazil, whereas Nketiah will be getting a break in during the World Cup. And that could that could play into his hands in uh, in the new year. So as it stands in Group A, Arsenal, two games played. Obviously, they are a game behind as it stands, but six points on the board. That puts them ahead of Bodo Glimt on four. PSV also on four, who are going to be playing Arsenal in that game in hand. And FC Zurich are rock bottom. Right, we're going to grab a little break. After the break, we're talking West Ham and Ronaldo. Uh, not together, West Ham and Ronaldo, unless uh, something is cooking at the London Stadium that we don't know about. We're going to be talking about West Ham in Belgium beating Anderlecht and what next for Ronaldo at United. All that to come in just a sec. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Friday's edition of the Football Social Daily. We're switching from Europa League to Europa Conference League. Joel, going to hit you first on this one. West Ham, 1-0 win away in Anderlecht. That's three European wins in a row for West Ham this season. 100% record in continental football. Fantastic stuff. Now, we had a bit of a laugh with Jim on, on a Wednesday show when I said, two wins out of two. You must be delighted, you know, European away days potentially in the new year and knockout stages again for West Ham in Europe. And he basically said, West Ham have been crap in Europe and they've been lucky to win these two games. Uh, That look extended to last night, a win and three points away in Belgium. Substitute Gianluca Scamacca following up his first Premier League goal last weekend with the winner in this one. They did need a wonder stop from Alfonso Areola to make sure of three points. But... This is super impressive from West Ham. I mean, you know, we're, we're joking with Jim and his his kind of downbeat perspective on it. But three wins from three, nine points. The last sixteen looks on. It, it looks done before probably from from next week. If they win next week, it's fully confirmed. Yeah, I think even if they just took a point now, they're basically home and dry, aren't they? Obviously, they'll want to finish first in the group, but. You can't not take the good positives from these kind of games, especially for Skamaka, for example, because strikers, they just feed on confidence when when they score a goal. And he had a pretty slow start to his West Ham career and it's starting to pick up slowly. He's got two in his last three games. And I just think that when you have a competition like this, it's the perfect platform to actually just get a little bit of a confidence boost because in the Premier League, they've struggled quite a lot. Um, the table shows that compared to last season, there has been a massive drop off in form. And to have this competition as your, it's almost like your escapism, you know, when you go, when things are going bad in life and you just kind of resort to something to take you away, like watching the football or something. It's almost like that for them, where they have this room to just be able to enjoy it, especially for the fans as well, because their fans will know full well that last season, the highlight wasn't trying to challenge for the top four. The highlight was trying to go all the way in Europe and being able to do these cool European trips to all these different stadiums and just the massive general fanfare that was going around the club at the time. And with this competition, 
the best part is they actually have a genuine chance of going all the way in it. Mainly, not due to their quality, but due to the fact that the rest of the team's quality don't match up to anything close to the Premier Leagues at the moment. So for them, there should just be massive incentive that it's silverware. I mean, if you would look at Roma when they won it last year, the, uh, well, in May, the first ever winners of the competition, that's Roma. And if you looked at their parade when they won it, they weren't treating it like, they were treating it like it was the Champions League. All around the Coliseum with the open top buses, they loved it. And a trophy is a trophy at the end of the day. And especially for West Ham, this is something that they should be happy for just because the, the players are getting a little bit of a confidence boost and that can only translate into the Premier League you would think but of course you still need to maintain that that form in the Premier League because that's that's the bread and butter isn't it that's what's gonna make you maintain your form throughout the season but this I think is a really good competition and just a really good opportunity for them and uh, it, it has been impressive from them I mean I know in the Premier League they've not been great they won at the weekend to ease a little bit of pressure on David Moyes but Europe sometimes can be a, a bit of a release valve and, and West Ham march on so as we say knockout stage football could be confirmed next week for West Ham we're going to switch away from some of the match action before we uh, wrap up from part two Ian and we're going to go back to Ronaldo because he's going to be in the headlines for weeks all the way leading up to the World Cup and then probably after the World Cup as the January transfer window opens and what happens next. Now, there's been reports this morning of uh, Galatasaray from Turkey being interested in him, clubs from the Middle East, the MLS, potentially taking him on a short-term contract. None of that will hit the Ronaldo objective of playing Champions League football this season. He wants to play in the Champions League, he wants to maintain his personal records and maybe even have an outside chance of winning it if he goes to the right club in January is going to be the knockout stages. The amount of teams are obviously reduced and the amount of teams that can sign him are reduced. Bayern Munich's Oliver Kahn said this morning that they did consider a move for him this summer and then decided against it. Will one of the Champions League big hitters come looking for Ronaldo? Based on his start to the season, no. But based on everything else we know about him, possibly. Can this still happen in January? Well, who knows? <laughs> it just definitely could. He's, you see, the, the writing's kind of on the wall in the fact that he's not starting these games. And I don't know if you've seen this, um, the quotes from Paul Scholes on BT Sport last night, but Paul Scholes has, has got stuck in on the situation and got st- stuck in on Ten Hag. He scolded him. He scolded, scolded him. him, yeah, and uh, said that Ten Hag showed more disrespect to Cristiano Ronaldo last night by bringing him off the bench. Uh, than um, than than he could have done any any anything else he could have done to him because bringing him off the bench on a Thursday night in the Europa League surely is the biggest disrespect for a player in 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 uh, in Paul Scholes' eyes than than bringing him off the bench in any other match because it's the kind of match that you would expect him to be starting for. He says it's disrespectful to his career. Now is this the problem with 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 Ronaldo? This is the problem. The problem is. His reputation. The problem is the baggage that comes with him. The problem is that he's achieved so much in the past, over the past 20, 25 years, that there's sort of this expectation that he has to play. And he's sort of coming out now in in some respects, kind of like the show pony. You know, there's there's sort of a, 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 a duty to play him. 
for the, for the branding, for the fans, for the sponsors. Not because he's any good or he's going to contribute anything. And you saw some of the howlers. If that wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo on the pitch last night, you wouldn't think too, twice about him being a player for Manchester United in, with some of the stuff he does. Yes, sometimes he's brilliant, but not always. And this is the problem. There's this, if he was anybody else, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be there. But it's purely his reputation, I think, that's keeping him. And yes, whoever signs him next, he's going to benefit because they're going to sell a boatload of shirts. They're going to sell a boatload of merchandise. His face is going to be on, if he goes to Istanbul, his face is going to be on every billboard in Istanbul. And that's what we've had with Manchester United. But I just think that maybe now they've they've sort of milked it dry. They're obviously not making as much money out of him as they were when when he initially signed, um, was it last the start of last season or the last transfer window when he came in and, you know, the, all this branding and everything that went with him. But there's that side of Cristiano Ronaldo that makes a club a lot of money. But then there's what's costing them on the pitch. So it's that balance. And I think the balance is now shifting in, the, you know, the... I don't think he's making as much cash for them um, from a branding point of view as, as perhaps he's costing them on the pitch. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was just going to say, I do enjoy when things are measured in boatloads because uh, I, yes. I immediately get drawn to what else could you measure by a boatload and, and pretty much anything, really. Anything you can fit but in you see, but Measuring by boatload, though, I mean, the, the problem with measuring by boatloads is if you have so much of it, eventually the boat sinks. And maybe that's, Ooh, <laughs> maybe that's Manchester very United clever. in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, that was, that was uh, very cleverly put by, by Ian Joel. Are Manchester United a sinking ship as, as long as Cristiano Ronaldo is there? He, he obviously was very, very impactful for them last season impactful for them last season but just one goal in the Europa League so far this campaign there's the potential that someone could be interested in him in January respect is being thrown around constantly Paul Scholes mentioned it last night Roy Keane mentioned it at the weekend how does this end and and also I want to ask you as a United fan are they being disrespectful to him well let's have a bit of perspective here Roy Keane and Paul Scholes are his best mate. You're not going to call out your best mate, are you, and say he should be benched, he should be sold, he's not good enough for United anymore. Of course, they're going to come out and protect their friend, as they did for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when it was clear that he was not the right man for United at the end. They're always going to come and protect their own, and that's fair enough. That's why I take their opinions with a pinch of salt when it comes to these kind of situations. But when it comes to Ronaldo, yesterday... The thing that annoyed me the most, it started to feel like a Cristiano Ronaldo charity match where all the players were purposely trying to find him, purposely trying to set him up for a goal as if, you know, it was his testimonial and they wanted to send him out the right way. There was a moment where Rashford was one-on-one with the keeper and it was a possibility to get his hat-trick. And instead of just going for goal, which he probably would have done had any other player beside him not been Cristiano Ronaldo, and he purposely looked to his right to try and find Ronaldo and he overhit the, uh, he overhit the uh, side pass to him. And it was in that moment that I realised when he's on the pitch, the younger players are scared stiff that they don't want to annoy him and they don't want to displease him. And they always look for him constantly. Even Bruno Fernandes, because he's his, I think because they all look up to him so much because he, he brings such a demeanour and such a status on the pitch that I think all the players shrink a little bit under him and they always try and look for him because he is Cristiano Ronaldo. And then when you see when he's not on the pitch, they're all just fluid. 
they're all just looking for the best opportunity. Whereas Ronaldo's the 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 thorn in the side. And I don't want to try and scapegoat him because yesterday he actually played pretty well and he got himself into such good positions. He just just nothing was coming off for him. Um he showed such intelligence as well for a Rashford's second goal where he just took the defender off with a run. His intelligence is still there. It's just I don't know if his body's just not keeping up with it. That's the that's the main issue. And for me, honestly, it's just a case of confidence. I think for the first time in his career, his confidence has been knocked, which is quite unusual for a guy who has been at the top for 17 years now. And if it was my decision, I would be I would be tempted to potentially start him against Everton just because I still feel like if he starts getting a few goals under his belt, the dynamic will change around him. But then on the flip side, I, I don't think he should get in ahead of Anthony Martial. I don't think he should get in ahead of Rashford. And Ten Hag, this is why I have so much confidence, is that he knows it too. And he'll never play someone just based on status. He plays based on merit, which is how it always should be. So it's a it's a precarious one. Um, but yeah, I think the writing's on the wall for him, isn't it? And I think United are thankful that he's only got a one-year deal left because I'm sure he's on an absolute boatload of money. Hey, <laughs> but I think I think what Joel's saying there is is um, all, you know is exactly it. I think that you can see that when he does get his chance, and even more so perhaps when he comes off the bench, that he feels the need to be brilliant every time. You know, and and the, and the players sort of look at him as this sort of golden orb on the pitch that they're going to pass the ball to him, and he's going to do something amazing. And I think he's feeling the pressure of, to to do that all the time. And he's not that player anymore. He's not. He's not a, a wonder wizard. He can be, but every time he gets the ball, no player is doing flips and tricks and putting the ball in the top corner every time. And I think there's this expectation: is oh, Ronaldo's on the pitch. He's going to do something brilliant now. And it's that reputation has run away with itself. And he never used to do that all the time when he was in the thick of his career, where you know maybe 10, 15 years ago. But now it just seems that he's putting pressure on himself, and he, you know he has a shot and he misses, and and he can see him beating himself up on the pitch. So I think it's sort of manifesting itself within him as well, you know. And maybe um, a league where I mean Britain's an horrible place to play football in terms of the media and the pressure, and maybe somewhere else where where there's less of that. Going to MLS where he's going to be an absolute rock star, and it, it will be able to do his, his flips and tricks and, and 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 undoubtedly be amazing in a league like that um you know especially if he went and played for somebody like David Beckham in Miami you can see that happening can't you you know and that would be huge and he would do he would do brilliantly there but I think it's just this country there's a few things you know there's the pressure of the league there's the pressure of the media there's a the pressure of the fans and and also the pressure of his own reputation and it's all all kind of a, a, a funny mix now at this stage and I think you know yes you should have respect for what he has achieved but i think at the same time there's the pressure for the the clubs wanting to achieve now and uh, and and it's you know i think if he went off to mls or somewhere like that you know he could uh, end his season like david beckham did you know with with a lot of glory and uh, and be a bit of a hero and, and 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 forget all this doom and gloom and that's not just the weather in manchester yeah, indeed. A boatload of flips and tricks if he does go to the MLS. And to be honest, we're not really going to know what happens until after the World Cup because he is solely focused now on Portugal, not on Manchester United. He wants to go to the World Cup with Portugal and potentially it's going to be his last World Cup uh, opportunity. So that's the that's the priority for Ronaldo and what comes in 2023 will 
come. Right, we're going to take a break. The guys are going to strap their thinking caps on because it's Friday and that means one thing. It's quiz time. We tipped it as David versus Goliath at the start. Let's see how it's going to go on. Joel versus Ian. All to come after the break. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Friday's edition of the Football Social Daily and we are getting quizzical. Yes, it is Friday. It is the end of the podcast and that means one thing. Quiz. Right. It's been a bit tense over the last couple of weeks. Ian, as the reigning champ, success brings a lot of haters and people look to knock you down from your lofty perch. Joel is conducting an inquiry into Niall potentially cheating. So we've got a fresh face. Whilst Niall is being investigated, we've got a fresh face on the quiz. That's me. Now, I'm not above investigation, and I'm sure Joel will be trawling through my search history if he doesn't win today. So Go uh, easy there, Joel. The less less said about that, the better. So uh, I've got to keep on Joel's right side, okay? So we're going to get started, um, and Ian, as the reigning champ, we're going to let you go first uh, to see if you can extend your success. So obviously with the quiz, we try and keep it pretty topical in terms of news that has gone on in... um, in the Premier League and in European football this week. So three questions each. I've got a tiebreaker in the pocket if necessary, but let's see how we go. Right, so Ian, we're mm. going to start with you. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay, wonderful stuff. Rangers' Champions League struggles continued again this week. Defeat to Liverpool means they remain pointless in the competition so far this season. However, manager Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is not used to losing. He secured two league titles in Scotland and in Spain as a player. But which club did he win his sole Premier League title with as a player? Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Who did Giovanni Van Bronckhorst win the Premier League title with? Uh, was it Arsenal? Correct. Your, uh, your strong you policy see, of just shouting just Arsenal the, into the void. It's worked twice. Correct. It's yes. twice on the trot now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was, uh, he was a Premier League title winner with Arsenal in 2002. So one point for Ian. A strong start. But Joel, we're going to stick with Tuesday's games as we go on to you. Okay, ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Antonio Conte's Champions League record has come into focus again this week. Spurs obviously drawing nil-nil away in Frankfurt. He wants to get out of the group stages, but his record is not great. However, Spurs' own record has not been great either. So the question is... How many times have Spurs reached the Champions League knockout stages? Now, there's no trick question here. It's all Champions League, not before 1992. In the Champions League, how many times have Spurs reached the knockout stages? Do I not get any options? Uh, You can pick any number between one and a million. (laughs) I'll give you a little hint. We know that they definitely did it once because in 2019 they lost to Liverpool in Madrid. So that's one. So I'm going to give you a little tip. It's more than one. I'm going to go with... 
I'm going to go with f five. Final answer? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, Joel. It is four. When you were going, I was thinking, is he going to go four? Is he going to go five? Yep, yeah, I'm afraid that is four. Yep, so that is incorrect. Ian, advantage. Uh, we're going to move on to Wednesday's action. Erling Haaland bagged two goals. It's getting boring now, Haaland. <laughs> you need to just stop scoring goals. Uh, two goals against Copenhagen. That means 19 in all competitions so far this season. And then <clears throat> Pep Guardiola did everybody a favour and just took him off at half-time because he, he was just taking the mick. And uh, Southampton are in his sights this weekend. 14 goals in the Premier League already for City for Haaland. But who is the hotshot Haaland? Who has got the bragging rights in the Haaland household for Premier League goals. Who has got more Premier League goals? Is it Papa Alfie or Baby Erling? I would say it's got to be Alfie so far yeah. because he's only just joined the Premier League and Alfie Haaland was in it for quite a few years and he scored quite a few for Leeds at least and then Man City. Alfie. Correct. Yes, correct. But the window's not as big as you think. 14 already. For, I can't believe I'm saying this. Baby Erling. 14 Premier League goals and just 18 for Alfie. Yeah, he's getting so close then. Erling could have <laughs> he could have broken that record by the end of the weekend if uh, if Southampton are on the wrong end of it. But 18 spread across uh, his Premier League career. Erling's got that in his sights, just like he's got every Premier League record in his sights. Uh, we're going to move on, Joel. We need a reaction. Okay. Uh, next, we've got a language question. So think back to your GCSE English days to draw some inspiration from this one. Okay. Famous phrases oh. from. Uh, so there's two here, half a point each, and one point for both. Okay. Famous phrases from Sir Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho have been added to the latest edition of the Oxford English Dictionary. So as I say, half a point each. A famous phrase from Ferguson and a famous phrase from Mourinho are now in the dictionary. What are the phrases? Iconic phrases from both of them. Wait, from who, sorry? Mourinho from and... And Sir Alex Ferguson. Oh, from both... Oh, two different ones? No, no, one each. One from Ferguson and one from ah, okay. Mourinho. For Mourinho... Come on. Phrase... Ugh. When you think All of right. Mourinho, think what what is his phrase? Uh, is it... Wait, ah, oh, it's between two. It's between two. It's between special one and the, if I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> right, I'm going to give um, you a helping hand here. It's neither of those. Oh, for God's sake. It's more of a tactical... Something that might be related to... the bus. To, correct. So that's half a point. So I'm not giving you any more clues. And then for the Fergie, I, I think it has to be Fergie time. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Wait, it's between two again. Ooh. I'm going to go, it's between Fergie time and squeaky bum time. Come on, Joel. Ah, which one do I go for? Are you going to go with your squeaky bum or your Fergie? Oh, let me, wait, I'm going to go with squeaky bum time. Correct. Yes, you did the right Come thing on. by backing your squeaky bum. You're Come back on. in it. Yeah, squeaky bum time and park the bus have been added to the 2022. I'm copping my ear like Mourinho at Juve. <laughs> copping yeah. my ear to the crowd. <laughs> to, uh, to the Oxford English Dictionary. They are now actual dictionary terms. Right, so he's back in it. So a little bit of pressure going into the last round of questions. Ian, 
I'm going to go with you, mm -hmm. okay? So sticking with United, Eric Ten Hag's side won away against Omonia Nicosia. The Cypriot side had Neil Lennon on the bench for this one. The former Northern Ireland international was a one-club Premier League man in his playing career, 155 Premier League appearances. But who did he play for? Uh, Leicester City, wasn't it? Correct. Yes, 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 yes. And that's it. Three for three, I'm afraid, Joel. I'm going to give you the last question to play for Pride, but he's he's just strong-armed you here, I'm afraid. Um, oh, unbelievable scenes. Playing for Pride. Playing for Pride. You, know, don't, you show some mercy. Don't uh, don't give up on it, you know. Get your, get your goal difference up, your correct answer difference up on the, on the league table. Uh, West Ham sealed a win against Anderlecht last night. They're going for a knockout place. David Moyes' side still need positive results to make absolutely sure. Uh, alongside Anderlecht next week, who we know are from Belgium, they also face Silkborg and FCSB. Which country are FCSB from? Romania. Correct. See, you stuck with it and you got yourself a little bit of pride. A high scorer on uh, Friday's edition of the quiz. 3-2. But, Ian, congratulations. The crown stays aloft. Wow. Well, this is an unprecedented lead here. Um, yeah. Um, that was uh, actually from the um, from the build-up and everything. And when you're saying it was medium to hard, I was I was uh, not hopeful. But I've got, I think that was... the the most most um, comfortable uh, three questions I've had, actually. So, yeah, there we go. That was good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not wanting you to sort of up the ante for next week or anything. I'm just saying it was, uh, as I say, they're only uh, they're only easy if you happen to know the answers. And um, whilst I had to try and rack my brains as to who uh, Van... I just I was remember... Because he was in the, the, the Arsene Wenger era, wasn't it, when Van Bronckhorst yeah. was playing for Arsenal, wasn't it? That uh, I was just going back to the hybrid, uh, the hybrid days. And, uh, yeah, there he was. But, um, yeah, well, there we go. What a way to start the weekend. Indeed. Uh, we're anticipating that Niall will be released on Quiz Bale to, uh, to host next Friday's show. And the big question before that quiz, will the crown weigh heavy on Ian's head and will Joel break his neck to get it off? Okay, I think that's fair enough. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I'm building up. It's a bit steep. That's how I'm building up next Friday's quiz. Right, we're going to call it there for today's edition of the Football Social Daily. Ian, Joel, great stuff as always. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. Thanks, guys. Brilliant. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be back across the weekend. Lots more shows to come. I'll be here on Sunday night with a Premier League weekend review show. And then we all start again on Monday. Loads of football, loads of Premier League action and loads of quiz questions, particularly next Friday. So don't forget to hit subscribe and you can keep right up to date. Bye for now. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.